you could turn your Bibles to Genesis 45, verse 1. And we're reading from the Church Bible. Genesis 45, verses 1 to 18. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. So he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here, because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without ploughing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds and all you have. There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household and everything you have will become destitute. Look, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin can see that I'm the one speaking to you. Tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen and bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept and afterwards his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, Joseph's brothers have come Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and go on back to the land of Canaan. Get your father and your families and come back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can eat from the riches of the land. Thank you for that reading for us, Linda. Uh, it is great to see all of you, so many of you in person. Great to have so many joining online as well with us tonight. Uh, my name is Isaac, one of the ministers here at our church. Uh, I might start tonight by uh, praying, so let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that we can come, we can hear from your word yet again. We thank you that you're a God who loves to reveal yourself. We pray that you would give us energy, help us to stay attentive to your word tonight. 
Might we learn much from Joseph and his brothers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, today in the passage, we're just sort of thrown into this emotional scene. Uh, Did you notice? Joseph, he's just like exploding with emotion. He's in tears. He orders everyone just to leave the room because he's just, there's too much grief. There's too much going on for him at that time. Just being with his brothers again, he finally cracks. He finally speaks to them and tells them his identity. He comes near to his terrified brothers. That's what we're looking at tonight. And for chapters and chapters, if you were to read through Genesis, you would see that Joseph, he's just constantly having to leave the room. He's just overcome with grief. Just the presence of his brothers there, it's like this, this, all these memories, all this turmoil from his past has just sort of weighed down on him and he's ready to explode. And that's really what we see here in chapter 45. He finally relents. He finally opens up to his brothers. He's lived many years in Egypt by this point, but he finally tells his brothers, look, I'm alive. You may have sold me into slavery, but it's me. It's your brother, Joseph. But we're met with a bit of an anticlimax. We, the brothers, they just sort of stand there like stun mullets. They, they're kind of silent. You can imagine their drop jaw. We don't really hear what they say. It's almost like they're processing what's happened. And as I read this passage, I thought, well, why is there so much emotion, emotion for Joseph? Why, why does he react in such an intense way? And why do the brothers react in terror? It's a bit of a weird way for a family reunion to go down. I don't know what your Christmas reunions are like. But their first reaction is one of terror. What's going on here? And if we were reading through Genesis, I think we would understand why these two reactions are going on. For the brothers... They have just been played for chapters and chapters by their brother Joseph. He has been manipulating them. There's been all kinds of harshness that he's shown to them. And they're just wondering, is this another one of your tricks, Joseph? They haven't quite worked out if he's this terrifying ruler, this guy in you know, gold rings and new clothes and uh, shaved beard. Is he that harsh ruler or is he the compassionate brother that he says that he is? So they just stand there in silence. And maybe you've been there before. You've, you've shared something with somebody and it's been a relief for you. It's gotten off your shoulders, but somebody's just there processing. They can't quite tell you how they're feeling just yet. Uh, it's, it's kind of like Joseph has shared this news and his brothers, they just don't know how to react. It's like... They're, they're terrified. Uh, he has all the power. Um, it made me think of a time in my youth group. Uh, interesting tangent, but you'll see where we're going here, uh, where we used to catch goats. <laughs> so there's some photos. Um, and it made me think of this because uh, we would catch these goats. We would just purely get them to take photos with them and release them. Don't worry. Um, not that kind of story. Uh, but we would catch them, and these goats would kind of be a bit scared, you could tell. I mean, uh, as a youth group, we'd get all of, all of the kids just sort of rounding them up into, often into a river or something seemed to work. 
and we pick them up and take photos. But these were goats who were very used to uh, being hunted. So you get some of their photos, you can tell they're pretty freaked out and wondering what we're doing. But of course, we'd let them go and they would just go on their way. And as we read this passage, it felt like that for the brothers. They are totally at the mercy of Joseph. He has all the power. He is the ruler. He could do whatever he wants here. So they're wondering what he's actually going to do right here. They're like these goats that are just caught in the headlights. They're totally at his mercy. And we can understand why they react with terror because of what happened uh, many years ago, Genesis 37. Uh, Matt spoke to us about this uh, just last week, about this disturbing account where his brothers actually sold him into slavery. Uh, For 20 pieces of silver, his own brothers uh, gave him to these Egyptian traders. So that must be going around the brothers' mind when they're before Joseph. All those years ago, wondering, what will our youngest brother do? How is he going to treat us now? And Joseph, he's in this power because of many years where he's uh, gained more and more favour in Egypt. We've sort of skipped that in our series. Uh, Chapter 39, you can read about how he gained favour. Potiphar's house. Uh, Potiphar was an officer in Egypt and slowly he gained more and more influence in Egypt. He became the second, uh, well, the first in command under Pharaoh. Uh, He was the go-to guy in all of Egypt, which is quite incredible. And it was an incredible time in Egypt's history as well. It was seven years, seven years, there we go, uh, of good uh, crop and then seven years of famine. Uh, Joseph, he had been told this in a dream from God himself, that there would be seven years of good uh, bumper crop and seven years of famine. And they're currently in the second year of the famine in our chapter here, chapter 45. So Joseph, he's been storing up all this grain and he has the power to share it with all of the nations, all the peoples that are coming to Egypt for survival. And some people even think that maybe all of the grain, it was kept in the great uh, pyramids of Egypt, maybe the pyramids of Giza. So here's um, a mural. If you were to walk into a cathedral in Venice now that was built in the 1200s, you would see this image. And it's the three pyramids of Giza there. um, And it's Joseph. He's apparently putting grain into the pyramids. And it's a pretty cool idea, like... I came across this quite a number of times as I looked into this passage. It seems to be written a lot in antiquity, and I I love the idea, but unfortunately, sadly, it doesn't seem like that's where he kept his grain, Uh, which doesn't really matter that much, right? Um, But it just doesn't seem like it would have been what he did. Uh, They had many other actual storehouses in uh, ancient Egypt, which there was lots of evidence for, and the pyramids were used as tombs. And there wouldn't be much space to actually store the grain. It's mainly all stone. But it's a nice idea, but it doesn't seem like that's what happened. The key is that Joseph listened to the dream from God. Uh, Joseph, he stored away the grain for those good years. And now he's in this position to actually help. Now he's in the position to help the nations coming to him. 
So that's what's happening with these brothers. They've come from Canaan a long way away. And he is really giving them salvation. He's helping them survive at this time. So Joseph, he's helped them out quite a bit. He's given them uh, food to eat, meals. He's been quite kind at times. But he's also had a bit of a dark side to him as well. He's sort of been messing around with his brothers. And I'll list out a few of the things that he's done so far. He pretended not to know them for a while there. He accused them of being spies. He threw them into prison. He even planted stolen goods on them to to sort of um, make sure that they would get caught with the stolen goods. And he ordered them to go back and forth from Canaan to Egypt, a huge distance. Uh, There should be a map there that comes up to show us a bit of how uh, far away these two places are. Uh, So the Mediterranean Sea is in the top of that picture there. And I think there's a photo that will come up, or a picture that will come up there. That's where the pyramids are. That's Cairo. Um, this year there was even a boat that got stuck. There should be another picture there. There we go. That's that. Um, that was this year apparently. It felt like years ago. Uh, but that boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal. That's where that was. Fun fact: it's where my granddad was born and, and lived. So I can chat to you after the service if you'd like. Port Said. There you go. That's Canaan. There we go. Something that's actually relevant to the story. <laughs> Canaan and Goshen, that's where they end up. Uh, so Jacob and his family, they're currently living in Canaan. And by the end of this passage, they've gone to move to Goshen. And that's a huge distance. And Joseph, he's just playing them for a number of chapters before where we're at today. They're going back and forth. There's been this horrible treatment so far. So it's right that the brothers, they stand in silence. They're wondering, will he treat us harshly like he has so far? But Joseph, he offers them this golden opportunity, salvation in Egypt, protection and security. They might be wondering, okay, Joseph, we've heard your wonderful plan. What are the strings attached this time? What do we have to do? And in this passage, we don't actually get much of a response from the brothers, do we? The focus is more on Joseph, the forgiver, rather than those being forgiven. But as we read, we start to think, okay, what should we think of Joseph? Is he a good guy? Like, does this just change everything? Uh, How should we consider him? Has he really changed? We start to wonder about his character. And we're shown a real mixture here, haven't we? Uh, We've we've seen that he kind of is uh, pretty erratic, inconsistent, he can manipulate, Uh, yet he is also quite generous and he gives to many of the surrounding nations. And here we see, so a few times along the way, we've seen uh, moments where Joseph has had compassion on his brothers. Uh, He has sort of broken that hard facade that he's tried to put on. And this chapter 45 is his real moment of redemption, just as much as it is for his brothers. He finds it in his heart to have mercy, to, uh, to include his brothers rather than keep sending them away and excluding them. He forgives them rather than taking vengeance on his brothers. So I don't think we're exactly supposed to praise Joseph as this amazing hero, but he's a human like us. He has flaws like us, and we can learn from him. I mean, we're just as capable of causing division as Joseph was. 
And just like Joseph, we can kind of withhold our relationship from others, our relational warmth from people for a long time. We can withhold forgiveness. And Joseph, he was deeply hurt. Imagine being abandoned by your own siblings into a foreign land. It it wasn't a small grievance that he had. And this this that we read in 45, it's years after. I mean, he's a 32-year-old guy. His brothers are in their 30s or 40s. Some hurts we know, just they cut deep, don't they? But Joseph, he's a great example of someone who finally lets his guard down. He, he finally forgives, even those that are really hard to, to forgive. And so in his family reunion, we ought to be encouraged ourselves uh, to find reconciliation, just as Joseph did. And this week, as a church, I don't know about you, but it's kind of felt like we've had this family reunion um, for many of us who have been able to come and to meet in person and for the many uh, online, it's this time of year where it feels like we're reconnecting, uh, which is a wonderful time. Uh, many of us maybe haven't made it quite back yet, but we're all just experiencing what it means to have just normal relationships again <laughs> in person. We're kind of learning all of this again. We're so used to sort of just seeing each other through screens and calling each other up. And look, I hope our family reunion, reunion, I hope it's not quite as dysfunctional as these brothers, right? They have a lot of issues going on. But we know that as a church family, we'll have issues come up. We'll have disagreements. There will at times be the threat of division. Uh, there will be things that we may not agree about. So I thought our first week back in person, it'd be great to remember what unites us or who unites us. And I think many of us here know that. It is Jesus. Uh, We, as those who trust in Jesus, are united to him. And it's our union with Christ that also brings a great unity amongst us. It is Jesus who brings us together. And for you, maybe you haven't quite experienced what it means to have this peace with God, this reconciliation with the God of the universe, and we would love to chat to you about that. Um, I think probably anyone in the room would love to chat to you about what it's like to have a relationship with God. And look, maybe after the service, as we're outside having a chat, you could ask one another about this topic of forgiveness. That's the main theme in this passage. You might be able to ask, when was the last time that you forgave somebody? Often it's a lot smaller issues than what we see here with Joseph. Uh, When I thought of this question, I thought of a friend who uh, I chatted to just a few days ago. And they brought up this time where they made a comment. It was a comment that I had totally forgotten about. It really had not impacted me. But they said, oh, I'm sorry I made that comment. So it wasn't a Joseph situation at all. Uh, But they said sorry. And it brought a great warmth to our friendship. Uh, It was a wonderful time where it just showed me that that person, they reflected on our friendship, they thought about the words they'd used, and they came and they they started this conversation. So look, maybe you might even want to do that tonight. Um, I don't know about you, but just having all this time not seeing each other, not being in relationship as easily as we used to, 
Uh, it can breed all kinds of possible issues, um, just not seeing each other, um, or perceived issues even. So maybe this is the week where you could chat to someone you haven't for a while, let them know that you care, or maybe even ask for forgiveness from someone. Now the last uh, point, our last section for today comes from verse 4 there. A reconciled family moved to Egypt. And here we're going to think about how God, his good plan is not thwarted by sin. It goes along even in the midst of sin. See, Joseph, he tells his brothers, look, come close. So we started the first part of this passage and he's just wailing so loud. Everyone outside can hear him. But Joseph seems to have calmed down. He can talk to them finally. He says, look, come close. The mood shifts in the room. And verse 4, he tells his brothers, don't be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves. Surprisingly gracious words from this ruler. And Joseph, he doesn't absolve them of all responsibility. He doesn't say, look, it's not like you ever did anything wrong against me, but he chooses to forget it, to forgive them, to reconcile with them. And he goes on to comfort them even more. You can see that in the passage, verse 8. It says, It was not you who sent me here, but God. It's a wonderful fact that God's plans are not thwarted even by uh, the most sinful actions that people undertake. And I wonder as he told them that, look, this is all part of God's plan, I wonder if this image was in their mind. You might remember from uh, the past weeks, this was an image the dream that Joseph had, that his brothers would come and they'd bow down to him as if like wheat bowing down to him as a ruler. And it's quite incredible that here in chapter 45, we see that he certainly does rule over them. So I wonder if their mind went to this moment. He says, look, it's all part of God's plan. There is a good outcome to all of this. Don't worry. But for us, it's not often quite that easy, is it? Often for us, we can't discern it so easily. We can't see a clear good that helps us come to grip when we've been wronged. We can't often see a clear, good uh, dream like Joseph had, something so specific, which often makes forgiveness all that bit difficult, more difficult. Well, Joseph, he doesn't just forgive his brothers for what they've done, but he goes even further. He shows them great grace. He says, look, come to Egypt. I will show you all kinds of provisions and security. And verse 9, he says, hurry, go back. Get Jacob, get our father. Bring the whole clan, the extended family, back and I'll take care of you. They shall all live in the land of Goshen. Because there's five more years of famine. They need this help. They need this salvation. And you might be sitting here thinking, cool, a family a long time ago, they moved to Egypt. Why, why do we care? I mean, I've forgotten half of the houses that I've lived in myself. I don't even remember the addresses or probably the suburbs. Why does it matter that this family moved to Egypt for a time? Well, I'm sure a number of you can see some of the significance to this move to Egypt. I think there's probably a number of reasons, but two that stand out. Well, we see uh, the two things. First one, uh, the fact that they could even get into Egypt, I think, is quite incredible. 
uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, uh, they couldn't even eat with Hebrews. We see this in Genesis chapter 43, verse 32. You see it there. Uh, this is a few chapters before talking about the Egyptians and Hebrews interacting. Uh, they served him, uh, Joseph, by himself and them by themselves. The Egyptians who ate with them by him by him, themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. So there we go. The fact that Pharaoh actually says, yeah, bring all your extended family, great. We'll even give you chariots and whatever you want. It's quite an incredible thing. I think surely it's God moving in, even in Pharaoh in this moment which is quite ironic thinking many years later the way that um, they couldn't leave Egypt as well. So it's quite incredible the fact that they could just get into Egypt to begin with. And secondly, I think it's quite incredible... Uh, missing my point, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible as well that they've moved to this particular place, Egypt, because it fits with the prophecy that has come in God's word already. So Genesis chapter 15, uh, this is a prophecy to Abraham. God said, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So we can see there, this is uh, ultimately talking about Egypt, their time there. And Exodus, a bit later, tells us, the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. So God's promise, it came to fulfillment. And it's quite incredible, I think, when you just sort of see these individual verses together, it's quite clear. Sometimes you miss that as you read through large chunks of the Bible. But this move for Joseph, for Joseph's brothers and his whole family is quite significant. It shows that God can be trusted. And I wonder, maybe after the service tonight, you could even think of other reasons why maybe God sent them to Egypt. A lot happened in Egypt, as you may be aware. Um, there's a lot that we learn about uh, their time there, even their exodus from Egypt. Uh, but back to Joseph and his story. Well, Joseph, he showed this great mercy to his brothers, to his undeserving family. And in doing this, he actually points us to Jesus, to the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. Now, there are certainly some big differences, though. Big differences between the forgiveness Joseph offers and the forgiveness from God. See, Joseph comes near and he reconciles his brothers who are in terror. And at this time, Joseph, he had all of the power. He had a lot of influence. But Joseph was also a bit of a hot mess. We've kind of seen he had a lot going on. He had a lot of grief from his past. And he made his brother squirm for quite some time there before he forgave them. And as you read Genesis, for me, I kind of wanted Joseph to get some help. Like you could see... Almost every chapter he's leaving the room to kind of to, to cry and to sort of break down. And um, this is the context, context with which Joseph forgives his brothers. And it almost seems like him forgiving them sort of does something for Joseph as well. It heals some of the hurt that he has. It helps him finally let go of the pain and some of the grief 
that he has. Well, Jesus, he also forgives us. We're his brothers. But God, he doesn't forgive us in order to fulfill anything uh, that he needs, any unmet desire that God has, or some grief or some uh, problem in God himself to, to heal a past trauma. That's, that's not how God forgives. And God forgives purely out of his character, out of his character as one who is just and gracious. That's how God forgives. And it's fully giving and fully self-sacrificial. See, Jesus comes near to us. He reconciles us even when we're in our terror. But our terror is different as well. See, the brothers were rightly afraid of this ruler. He's an erratic ruler. He's pretty inconsistent. He's pretty harsh. And we ought to be in terror before our God, not because he's erratic or inconsistent, but in our sin, before a holy God, because this God, he is supremely good, supremely holy, and we are not. And maybe for you tonight, you've never quite thought this through as a human before the God of the universe, where you sit with him. But the good news is that in our terror, because of our own sin, in this judgment that we sit, all of us sit under, uh, a good and holy God, in that moment, Jesus doesn't leave us there. Uh, he comes in and he comes near to us. He offers forgiveness for us. He reconciles us to God by his costly blood. See, Joseph, he offered reconciliation as well, and it was somewhat costly for Joseph. Um, he kind of wanted to manipulate them maybe a bit more. Or, um, so he certainly gave up something in offering forgiveness. But forgiveness that Jesus brings, well, the cost is more than anything you could even see in this entire world. It, it cost Jesus' very own life, the God of the universe come in Christ. He gave up his life so that you might be reconciled to God. And it comes to all those who simply trust in Jesus. And if you haven't experienced that, as we've said, we'd love to chat to you at any point. Um, maybe after the service, you could grab one of us and say hi. We are always keen to see more people uh, join God's family. And I thought we might leave us with a bit of the picture that the passage ends with. The brothers, they reunite finally. Uh, there's, there's tears, they embrace one another, um, they're finally talking to each other. And it's this awesome picture of a family brought together. And that is a dull reminder of our reconciliation with God. That we're in, we're in a relationship once again with God. He has come near to us and we can uh, worship him. Uh, I might pray now, so please join me in prayer. Dear Lord God Almighty, uh, we cannot wait for that day that we go to meet you, that we get to uh, be near with you in person and uh, finally uh, see you face to face.
Now we thank you so much uh, that in Jesus you came near to us. You showed us that uh, you do not leave us in our sin, in our terror before you, but you graciously give us new life through Jesus, what he's done on the cross. And through his resurrection, he shows that sin has been defeated. So Lord, I pray that we might trust in Jesus this week, that we might uh, accept the forgiveness that you offer us. And Father, please might this forgiveness that we know, might it shape our lives, might we freely forgive others as well, just like Joseph did. Lord, we thank you so much for just this opportunity to meet online, to meet in person, to meet around your word. We thank you that Jesus unites each one of us. Amen.